we have been spending some time now going through the book of Matthew with a focus on the Messiah. And again, from the perspective that Matthew was a Jewish man writing about a Jewish Messiah to the Jewish people. And last week, we started getting into Jesus' discussion of his return, and that comes on the heels of his disciples talking about the temple and Jesus telling them that the temple, the very thing which Jews had pride in, was going to be demolished. There wasn't going to be one stone left upon another. And I I can't imagine what it would have been like to be one of those disciples on that day, looking up at this thing, thinking that this is going to be where Jesus is going to set up his his throne, because we know this from from Ezekiel. We know this from Zechariah, you know, and Messiah is going to come and he's going to set up his throne. He's going to rule the nations from here in Jerusalem. And boom, here it is. And they're marveling in this moment. Look at this thing, Jesus. And just Jesus says, he says, surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. What? What? I, I'm I'm starting to grasp this fact that you said you're coming and that you're going to die, but that three days later you're going to raise from the dead. And so I'm thinking that what? You conquer this, you know, the Romans and everything because they're going to kill you, but you're going to come back to death and you're going to walk straight into the temple and, you know, and... In rain. I mean, I thought, wow, this is how it's going to play out. You know, we thought we're the conquering king, and, and now you're not a conquering king. You're going to die. But no, you're going to be the conquering king, because here you come, right? It's not how it's going to happen. All the temple is going to be just destroyed. And so they come out, and they go to the, the Mount of Olives, back over as he was used to doing. And you could just kind of see them sitting there on the Temple Mount, or on the Mount of Olives, looking down. <laughs> At the temple. I mean, kind of, this is a, a model of it, but this would have been the angle that they were looking at it if they were up on the Mount of Olives. And they're, they're looking down at the eastern gate, you know, and it, they don't, it doesn't have the, uh, the grave there yet, the cemetery, because the Arabs haven't done it. The, the eastern gate isn't all blocked up because the Arabs haven't done that yet either. There's not a dome of the rock there. There's actually the Herodian temple still there. And so they're looking down at this marvelous site. So picture this is just a model, a picture of this was real. And for all your life is what you've grown up. And you're, you're looking down on this thing, and you're thinking about what? What Jesus just said. <laughs> it's gone. I mean, everything I mean, that you've taken pride in is, is, is gone. And you can just kind of see them saying, So, Lord, when's all this going to take place? What, 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 what's, I mean, like, what's it going to look like then when you come back? I mean, clearly, if this is going to go, then something else has to what? Take place. Something else has to happen. I mean, can you put yourself in the days of the Reformation, or even just before the Reformation, where all the, I don't say all the, this, there's been improper theologies throughout, but the whole concept of there is no millennium and that the church is, is Israel and all kind of stuff, it all came bore out of that time. Why? Because Israel didn't exist. 
it wasn't there anymore. Does that make sense? And so it was almost like the disciples of, if you would, of the Reformation time are looking at an empty hilltop, or maybe one with even Islamic stuff on it, and they're thinking what? Well, maybe this wasn't God's plan. Maybe it was something different. But these early disciples, they get it. They know that according to the prophecies, according to God's word, Israel has to exist. And there's going to be a temple. And Messiah is going to reign in a temple. So, Lord, if this is going away, then what? What's it going to look like when you come back? What's going to be happening? And so last week we began looking at Jesus' response to them, which is recorded in Matthew 24 and 25. And we looked at the first two parts of this in the beginning of Matthew 24. We looked at the environment of his return. And in that, we saw that Jesus said it's going to be marked by international conflict, that nation will rise against nation, but literally it says ethnos versus ethnos. And again, as I mentioned last week, that literally means people group against people group. And we see that. Even within quote-unquote nations, that there are, there's... Um, genocide that goes on um, where you have an ethnos against an ethnos. We're told, secondly, that there's going to be a time of natural disasters um, that go on through. There's going to be pestilence and famines and earthquakes. And these are only just the beginning of the birth pains, the beginning of the troubles. Okay, We're told that there are going to be spiritual struggles. There's going to be deceptions. Jesus overwhelmingly, numerous times, tells them to be careful that no one deceives you. And that the time was going to be shortened for the sake of the elect. And that the false prophets were going to be able to do some marvelous things that if it was possible, that it would deceive even the very elect. So the deceptions that are going to go on during this time are going to be um, just an incredible thing. There are going to be things that go on that are going to be mind-boggling. But that those who are truly believers will not be duped by it. What would a true believer do if he was warned that deceptions were going to occur and then all of a sudden there were mighty wonders starting to happen? What do you think a real believer would do? Question what was going on. But what more? Research it for himself. It is all good. You're questioning and you're researching. You guys are missing one important part, though. Say again. Prayer. Did you say to pray about it? Pray to God, okay? So there's going to be a whole lot of people praying during these days, but they're not going to be praying to the true God. A little, slight little detail there, but it's an important detail, right? A true believer is going to go to the one who created the heavens and the earth, who has proclaimed what is going to go on, and they're going to be asking him what? Is this real? Is this you? Okay? Ultimately, when you look at miracles and prophecies and all these things that are going to go on, what should they all have in common? Should they have in common? According to the Old Testament law as well. they got to come to pass, but, but, but I, I do a miracle. It's in front of you. I'm doing a miracle. Okay? It's got to give glory to God. And, and Paul says, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for some may come in with another Jesus, 
another gospel or another spirit, and you may very well accept them. So the point is, you've got to know whether this is really glorifying the true Jesus who declared himself to be I am. If it's looking toward an earthly Messiah, then it's what? It's not of God. If it's pointing to the glory of a man, it's not of God. Does it make sense? And many times when these false prophets come and these false come, they're seeking glory for themselves and not for God. Persecution is going to rise. And how we have seen that over and over again around the world, but we as Americans think we have a pot, a pass. I really don't believe we're going to have a pass. I'm not looking forward to that. You know, but I don't think we're going to get a pass. And I think American Christians are like frogs in a kettle who are going to be caught unawares. Because of this middle one, evil will abound, and because of that, the love of many is going to wax cold. Now, I know I put you know, the social media stuff looking there and saying that's evil. I'm not saying social media is evil. How would you define what is evil? Biblically, how would you define what is evil? Say again? Is it above God? Good. I wasn't going there, John. Is it above God? I'm going to say, is it against God? In some manner, does it distract me from God? Does it take me away from God? Do I begin to... So, you say above. I agree with that. Because there's going all the way back to the... Do I love something else more than I love Him? So, I like that. I, like, I wasn't thinking that, but that's, that's, I like it. Is it above God? Is, does it distract me? Does it place something else in the place of God in my life? And so, quiet time. Do you, do you, you know, I always tell guys in, 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 when we went to Canada that the very first Sunday night, the very first teaching was always, if you can't find time for God while you're here, it has nothing to do with your schedule back home. Curtis, you've been there. Is that what I teach? It is. Because all you have is Time. Now, your time is going to be filled in while you're in Canada with what? Fishing. 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 And more fishing. Anyways, hiking. It could be hiking. It could be watching waterfalls. Whatever. But the point is, we give you time to spend a part with God. If you choose to go swimming, if you choose to go fishing, if you choose to do hiking during that time, that was your choice. You could always come and say to me, hey... And I've had people do this. Hey, drop me off in that sandbar and come pick me up in two hours. Because they wanted to have time. But there are so many other things that become more important than God. And this is Bob speaking. So it's kind of like Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. Not of the Lord, but this is what I say. I honestly, I, I believe. And this is from my, so I struggle with this in my own life. Anything that distracts me from growing in my, my relationship with Christ, ultimately is evil. So I joke about how I overdose on a donut. A donut for me was sin. Because I can't eat casein. And I knew that. And so I took a little piece of it. Then I took a what? Another piece. And then I took another piece. Until all of a sudden that night, I'm like to die. Okay? But all that could come through my brain the whole night was the wages of sin is Death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Because I knew it was sin unto me. Do you get it? 
Because the way my body is, that wasn't good for me. Now, I know that's just physical, but you get what I'm saying? It's the whole point. If I'm putting something in me that is tearing me apart from that which is the most important, ultimately it's evil. Because evil will abound. The love of many will wax cold. And so I challenge you this week. I challenge you. Get a, get a calendar system. I got a calendar thing, okay? And, and I challenge you. Write it down, whatever, however you want to do it. Write down how much time you spend on social media type stuff and how much time you spend on your knees before God. How much time you worry about what other people say as, a, as opposed to how much time you spend worrying about what God says. If you spend more time worrying about what people think, then I promise you, you're going to be distracted and you're going to be deceived. But those are all the negatives. The positive is, in the spiritual struggles, it's going to be also marked by the fact that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, all the people groups, the ethnoi, the ethnos, and then will come, the end will come. Okay? So again, my challenge to you younger groups and even some of the older ones who can go on for a second um, career, okay? there are people groups throughout the world who have not ever heard of Jesus. Think about that. Aren't you glad that you lived in a place where you could hear about Christ? There are people around the world who have never heard of Jesus. Do we really even care? Secondly, the expectation of his return, unmistakable nature. He's going to come like a lightning flash. He's going to be coming in the clouds with the sound of a trumpet. Everybody's going to see it. But of the day and hour, knows no one. No, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So there's, we don't know what day it's going to be. Day or the hour, we don't know. And finally, it's going to be like the days of, before Noah, prior to the flood, that no one's going to be expecting it. They're going to be doing marriage and stuff like this. They're going to be having their parties and stuff like that. And so again, we talked about with Noah last week, and I'm not going to get into it again today, but just think about it. That's what the world looks like today. Ah, oh, where is the return? That's what Peter says it's going to be like as well. At the end, he says, they're just going to, ah, where is this return? I mean, you guys have talked about this forever. Where is he? Where is he? Come on. 2,000 years, where is he? But he's going to come. So today we want to then slide into Jesus' exhortations based upon um, these evidences, based upon um, the expectation of his return. And we begin in chapter 24, looking at verse 42. I want to begin reading actually in verse 36, because I want to kind of bring that concept in again as we come into this. So beginning in verse 36 to 24. But of that day and hour knows no one. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came, and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be 
ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What's the first B? Be ready. That's exactly right. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What's going to happen? Jesus is going to come in the clouds. Sound of the trumpet coming in the clouds. There's going to be two men in the field. One's going to be taken. The other's going to be left. There's going to be two women grinding the wheat. One's going to be taken. The other one's going to be left. They didn't know it was getting ready to happen. I mean, think about it. If, you, if, we knew, if we knew that Jesus was getting ready, to, he was coming at 1 o'clock to say, today. We'd set something up. We wouldn't be out working. You wouldn't be on the field doing what you're going to do. You wouldn't be grinding wheat because you wouldn't have to be worrying about making bread. Make sense? We'd be together here. You might be with your family. I mean, talking about celebrations and celebrations, Jesus is coming at 1 o'clock today. I bet you you might be fasting and praying for the last three days as well. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this. I wish you would have given me more notice. <laughs> but I'm glad I have notice. You're not going to have any notice. None. Zippo. Two men are looking at the Internet. One's taken, the other one's left. If you're taken, what will be left on your Internet? Do you ever wonder that? hope it doesn't happen. Middle of an argument. You guys never argue, I know. Never arguments in your house. Could you imagine Jesus coming in the middle of the argument? How long does the rage last? I mean, if all that happens in a blink of an eye. You know, do you get in front of Jesus and you're still ah! at each other? Or does it go? Be ready. When? All the time, yeah, in season, out of season. All the time, be ready. Why? Because you don't know when he's coming back. And do you really want to meet him? Like you are sometimes? Do you want to meet him while you're watching that show? While you're watching that movie? While you're listening to that music? I'm not picking on whatever, you can read whatever into all that you want to. I'm not putting it in there, but you get what I'm saying. We excuse things. But if I wouldn't have him sit down with me, I certainly don't want to be there when he comes that way. If the steward knew what time the thief would come, he would be what? He'd be ready. He'd be ready. Verse 45, For who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over his, all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour when he's not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Be faithful. Be faithful. You don't know when he's coming. So don't start thinking, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Or it probably isn't going to go on this week. I mean, things will be a lot worse. There's going to be a temple in Jerusalem, so I can do what I want to do. Really? Like that's going to prevent? Stop back for a moment. 
What can happen before Jesus comes back that may interrupt all my plans anyway? Death. 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 He comes back anyway, or I go to him, whichever way you want to look at it. He doesn't come in the clouds. I actually meet him in a car wreck, or I meet him with a heart attack, or I meet him with a whatever. <laughs> An extra donut. Okay? <laughs> Death by donuts. And so, I thought about that. Death is poison. Death, or I mean, death is poison. Donuts are poison. I always get one of those little, those Mr. Yuck stickers, and I want to put it right on the middle of a donut. The younger ones are looking at me like they don't even know who Mr. Yuck is. Mark, you don't even know who Mr. Yuck is. Wow. How many of you guys have seen Mr. Yuck? The older, see, there's just a little bit of span there of age. Isn't that amazing? You've not, come on, you must have been in Germany. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, I won't sing the Mr. Yuck song to you. You can come to me later, and I'll sing Mr. Yuck to you. Anyways, but the reality is that we can't lose our focus. We need to remember whose servant we are. Now we get into chapter 25 with some parables, which Jesus is now going to illustrate, give word pictures regarding this. Verse, verse 1, chapter 25, then we read, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming! Go out to meet him! Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Now while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. The third B, be prepared. Now, we can get caught up and distracted here by talking different theologies. Well, weren't you supposed to love even your enemies? So why didn't they at least what? Share some of their oil. Okay, so you got to look at the parable... The oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit within you. You know, it's talking about salvation. You can't share your salvation. You're not going in on the coattails of your mom and dad and all that kind of stuff. So don't read so far into this parable other than what Jesus is talking about. The whole idea is that he's coming through from chapter 24 into chapter 25 is this whole concept of being watchful, being ready, being prepared, being on your guard, not slumbering. That's what Paul picks up with the Thessalonians. He says, we're not like those who are of the darkness. This shouldn't take us unawares. It's going to be like a woman in travail. And so, again, you women who have had the births, and and many of us who have seen women who have had births, right? It doesn't come as a surprise. I don't know the day or the, the hour, okay? That's why there's all the office pulls, right? On, on, on picking the day, picking the hour, you know, everybody puts a buck in and da 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 Because no one knows. You can say, well, this is her due date, but that means what? Nothing. That's exactly right. It's just a target date. Okay? And so the reality is, but as I watch Mont St. Helen continue to 
grow and grow. Since we were just there, it's kind of fun. I've done a lot of video watching. And it was amazing how everybody knew Mount St. Helens was ready to blow. They're watching that it rose. I can't remember how many hundreds of feet that it, it literally grew. The mound just kept growing and growing and growing. And they knew somewhere along the line it was going to burst. It's like watching a woman just continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. I remember when Tim and Ben, you know, before they were born, I mean, Marcia was the first time we had twins, right? And she was like huge. And the doctor kept saying, one big baby. And I'm thinking, there's no way that's one big baby. But I knew that, I mean, we are ready to have babies. I went with two boy names, two girl names, okay? I mean, I just did. I was like, he can tell me what he wants, but I'm tell- there's a massive moment going on here. And so, but I knew within two months... Whether I'm going to hold one baby or two babies, I don't know. But I was going to be holding a baby because she was, there was no way she could get any bigger. You know? I mean, it was just, you just know. She's, she's at the due date. She's closing on the due date. This is going to happen any moment from now. That's the picture that's being used. No one knows the day or the hour. So it's like the bridegroom. So in the Jewish culture, they understood this. There, they were, there's a betrothal that happens. And now the bridegroom goes, and he prepares the place. Sounds like John 14, doesn't it? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. This is the picture. So the bridegroom goes, he prepares the place. But no one knows when he's going to come back. He's going to come back when? He's finished. He's got the place prepared. No one knows when that's going to be. Jesus already told us that no one knows except for the Father. But in that moment, on that time, midnight, okay, because we always use midnight, right, as the, when the midnight strokes, you know, that it happens. So at midnight, he comes. Well, what's happening at midnight? Everybody is sound asleep. Nobody is watching. Nobody is waiting. Nobody is looking for him to come. But they hear a shout. Now, I, don't, again, don't want to go too much into theologies here and try to build something on all this kind of stuff, okay? But we know that Jesus is going to come with a shout and with the sound of a trumpet, okay? Bridegroom cometh. But just like in the, the sower and the seeds... The sower goes out to sow the seeds, and there's some that fall upon the what? The rocky soil, and some that fall upon the thorny soil, and they don't bear fruit, but they, they go away. Apparently, there are ten, but five aren't what? Real. And five are ready. Five are prepared. Again, I wish I could tell you that I've got this thing all nailed down. I don't. But there's enough here to, 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 to make, make me continue to pray and to continue to, to seek my Lord. Because evil is going to abound. The love of many is going to what? Wax cold. There's not going to be enough oil in the lamp. Whatever that is, no, I don't believe you lose your salvation. I know that from other scriptures. But what it says is, it wasn't what? It wasn't real to the end. Jesus said, those who persevere to the end shall be what? Saved. Matthew 24. Look back up there. A lot of you are looking at me like, huh? Did he say that? 
Verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. If you are real, you will persevere. Hebrews chapter 3. If you have fellowship with Christ, you will persevere until the end. That's how you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. That's when you'll know. I mean, you should know now. You should know that you know that you know. But on that day, if we're sitting here and the rapture came right now and half the audience is gone and you're still sitting there, guess what? Oops. That's exactly, oops. That's exactly, oops. Okay? And so, don't be that. I mean, that's my, that's my prayer. Lord, Lord, if I am not genuine, I want to know this. I, I want to know. Bring, reveal in me, you know, Psalm 113, and he, the wicked way in me, you know. It's just for real. And so I just want to challenge you guys with it. I don't want you to doubt your salvation, but I want you to, be, to, to know that you know that you, that you know. Finally, he goes on with the next illustration. Beginning in verse 14. It says, that For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord... I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, be careful of taking it too far. However, what is Jesus again trying to tell us? To be what? To be ready. To be prepared. Right? So, he now uses the illustration, the fact that God has given us what? 
given us gifts. Yeah, we say talents, but the talent here was what? A piece of silver, money. We bring it into our own talents, which is a good application. Okay? It's nice how the word plays out. But God has given us gifts. Money. It could be treasures. It could be literally talents, abilities. Okay? Time for sure. And the question is, what are you doing with them? I remember years ago, when we were still meeting in Stevens Creek Elementary School, I gave each of the Awana kids $2. Remember, it was five. You guys are too young. Do you remember, Ben? Two. And I told him to invest it till I came. I said, pretend I'm Jesus. I'm not telling you when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm collecting. So I want you to invest it. And it was amazing what you could do with $2 if you just did it. So some of them bought stuff for cookies, made cookies, and sold them. Some of them bought popcorn, made popcorn, and had a... A, a sale in front of their house with popcorn and lemonade. And then from the monies they earned there, they went and they turned around and bought something else and, and they did something else. And so, um, anyways, the Lord opened doors for us with the baking type stuff. And we actually got into club car and we're, 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 you know, after the initial cookies and you have more money, now all of a sudden we're selling cinnamon rolls. And it was amazing in just five weeks, because that's how long it was, how much return there was. If you just did it. Now, the illustration here, though it's about money, is really more about what? Not the money. Not necessarily what you're doing with the money. What you're doing with your inferior life. God has given you gifts. Could be money. It could be abilities. It could be abilities with money. Whatever it is, God has given it to you, not for your kingdom's glory, but for his kingdom's glory. And then he goes away, and then he comes back. And he's going to ask you now, on that day, because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we still have a judgment seat. We may not stand in Revelation 20 before the white throne judgment, but we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You can go check it out, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we're going to give an account for everything that we've done in the flesh. And you're going to, you're going to be asked, what have you done with it? What have you done with it? The one who had five went out and invested it and got five more. The one who had two went out and invested it and got two more. The one who had one didn't lose it. But he didn't what? He didn't invest it. Could have just added, Chuck. God didn't, God, God didn't challenge him for not multiplying it. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't even try. He, he didn't even put it in the bank. I mean, that's the minimum. I mean, think about it. Put, it. put your money in the bank now, and in five years from now, you'll have 10 cents more, right? I mean, okay? Yeah. Okay? But at least it's 10 cents more than you had right now. Make sense? So the idea is, what God's saying is, you didn't even put it in the bank. You didn't do the bare minimum. You did nothing with it. You went and hid it. No man lights a candle and does what with it? Hides it under the bushel. But rather, he sets it on the lampstand so that it may give light to everybody. Same illustration that's going on. You stuck your light and you stuck it under the bed. You stuck it under the lamp, the bushel. We get a little glimpse into what God thinks about that. Do you want the response? 
So what are you doing with the lamp, if you would, that God has given you? Blending parables and illustrations together. We're told to be fruitful. Be fruitful. Are you? Are you multiplying? Remember, some water, some sow, but what? God gives the increase. I'm not, respons- I'm not responsible for making five talents off my five talents. Man, I may be the guy with one talent. I probably am. But I'm responsible to at least try to do something with it. And if I get just 10 cents back, then I get 10 cents back. Lord, I tried. Do I even go to my master and say, Master, how would, what would you recommend? What's the best investment? There may be times like in the stock market where there's downs and then there's ups and there's downs and there's ups. But in the end, it's a what? It's an up or whatever, but at least I can say I did what? I tried. I did what you asked me to do. I invested it. I may have blown it on my, my decisions, but maybe I didn't. Maybe, maybe the downturn of the market was what God wanted at that moment. I don't know. Does it make sense? And I'm talking spiritually speaking in the downturn of the market. I can go out and I can witness, but it doesn't mean that anybody's going to get saved. But I've still invested. I still think of the woman on the plane just two weeks ago. I had four hours with her. Praise God for the four hours with her. I don't know what God's going to do with that. I hope she has a renewed desire for God and who he is and a desire to know him better. I don't know what everybody else around me heard. But I'm praying now that I knew that my wife heard me clear, clear, clear across the plane that somebody else heard me. And maybe they were being challenged. They didn't say anything. You just don't know. You get it? I don't know. All I know is I had four hours. And I praise the Lord that he forced me to invest it. I don't know if you remember this from about two years ago, but I, I preached on how to live a, a, um, a successful life through the redemption of that redeeming... Let's see, oh, I'm going to mess this up now. The redemption of that which cannot be saved to invest in the redemption of that which can be saved by laying all that you are on the altar that he may alter all that you are. Yes, exactly. The redemption of that which cannot be saved. That is, time. To invest in the redemption of that which can be saved. People. By laying all that you are on the altar, with an A, that he may alter all that you are, with an E, (laughs) the altar, all that you are. I have got to be willing to sacrifice everything I am that he might use me as an investment. We've got to keep moving on. Because we get to the event of his return. This is exciting stuff. Okay? Jesus then talks about, at the end of all this, about what it's going to be like. He finally gets to this, this, this climax of the question that they were asking. What's it going to be like? And so he gives them all this negative stuff, and he challenges them that they be ready and all this kind of stuff. And then he comes back and he says, okay, here's then what's really going to happen. 
at the very, very end, verse 33, or verse 32, beginning of verse, sorry, beginning of verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations, ethnos, people groups, will be gathered before Him, and He will, be, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left hand. When the, then the king will say to those in his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those in the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or, or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, As surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into ever eternal life. So the first thing we see is that the righteous, the nations are going to be gathered together, and after they're gathered together, the righteous are going to be separated from the, from the cursed. The righteous are the sheep, the cursed are considered to be the goats. First of all, the works of the righteous. What did they do? What did they do? They did what? They took care of the less fortunate, if you would, people all around them. Okay? They took care of the poor. They took care of the sick. They took care of those who were even in prison. Ooh, prison. Those are what? Prisoners. Those are bad guys and women. They're there because they were bad so therefore they're bad they deserve to be there but Jesus even includes them and these people are doing that they're taking care of these people they're not just driving by them on the road I've done that and you've shared that and how painful it is when the Holy Spirit says really that's how you want to be treated no Lord it's not you don't believe I can take care of your schedule? You don't believe maybe I put him, him or her there as an appointment for you? Think about that. Can God provide for you? Even if you, even if you spent your last five dollars to give somebody else food, could God prepare for you? Could God take care of you? Provide for you, that's the word I'm looking for. Yes. We say that. But actually how we live it out speaks volumes. But I love their humility. Jesus comes and he says, you have done this for me. 
You have done this. You have taken care of me. And they're like, well, Lord, we didn't. When, when did we do this? We didn't do this. I mean, wow. I mean, this is great, but I didn't do that. And Jesus' response then was what? When you did it to the least of these, what? No, no. What's also included? The least of these, my brethren. My brethren. Details. Who's he talking about? Believers. Okay? Believers. He's talking to believers about believers. Do you get it? He's talking to believers about believers. It's important. Okay? Now, I think we're also responsible for looking at the world. Okay? But... First and foremost, the church. Why should the church be recommending people to go to the world to get help? They shouldn't. That's exactly right. But I guarantee you, they do. We, rec- we recommend. Well, you know, Salvation Army's downtown. There's the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Within our assembly, we should do whatever we can to help one another. Do you know what happened in the early church? They were selling property. So there would be the funds to take care of the needs of the poor and the widows. Not so that they could go buy a, a bigger house. Not so they could have a bigger boat. Not so they could have this or that. Not, they were selling property off because they knew they needed to, to minister to the, to the uh, poor and the widows. And do you know what happened when the church started living like that? Acting like that? It's exactly right. The word of God multiplied. People were getting saved because people saw something different and they wanted it. They wouldn't want just a handout. They wanted what the people had. Do you remember Fireproof? Do you guys watch the movie Fireproof? I love the very end when... um, I can't even remember his real name. Kirk Cameron. Yeah, and he plays Caleb. Right when his wife comes and she says, "I don't know what's happened to you, but whatever it is, what? I want it. I don't know what's come over you." She's—he's already told her that he gave his life to Christ, but she still hasn't been able to what? Grasp it. But it's when she realized that he just spent everything he was looking for. He wanted that boat. He wanted everything—that twenty-five thousand dollars—and he just dumped on on his on her father. To buy the, the medical stuff. That was the day, remember, when she was giving him the, the, um, the, the, the uh, divorce papers? And he was saying, I love you more. And she realized that he didn't change his demeanor to her at all over the last two weeks. Even after she had dumped on him the very day that he had spent his, his savings, his life savings, every, his dreams. And she realizes this and she comes to him and says, I don't know what's... What's happened to you? All I know is I want it. That's the effect that we want the world to have. When Jesus Christ is in us, when we are loving other people sacrificially, when we are willing to sacrifice self. Jesus gives them then their reward. They get to spend eternity in his presence. How cool is this? But there's the cursed. There's the, the ones who, on the other side, they what? 
They're sticking to themselves. Now, I want you to think about this. They're not helping anybody. It's all about numero uno. you got to pull yourself. They're there in the gutter because they put themselves there. It's not my problem. Well, the, you know, the people in the church. If people stop coming for a while, do you, know, do you, do you text them? Do you email them? Or do you say that's Bob's job? That's David's job. Is it the body Christ? Do you even know when someone has stopped coming for a while? Do you even have their number? Do you check to find out their number? Do you check to find out their email? Do you care? What if somebody's gone and they're sick and they're dying? Jesus comes back and says, you didn't do this for me. You never took care of me. Note their response. It's a what? It's a denial. It's almost the exact same words. But it's from a different perspective, isn't it? Well, when did I see you do it? Well, I never saw you. I, 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 if I had known it was you, I would have what? I would have done it. When did I do this? I never did this. Note what Jesus says to him. When you have, didn't do it to the what? Least of these... He doesn't say, my brethren. Now he even leaves it off. When you haven't done it to the least of these, you haven't done it to me. So now I don't have the what? I don't have an excuse. Because it's only those in the church. But Jesus now takes it away from me. I have a responsibility to be a light to those who are in this world. Galatians chapter 5 says that he has given me liberty. He has given me freedom. But it's not for an occasion for my own flesh, but that I can use it to love my neighbors. I can serve others. I don't have to worry under the law, if you would, think back Jewish law. I don't have to worry. I'm not saying you got AIDS, okay? But I don't have to worry about touching somebody that might have AIDS. Now I am... Unclean, oh, I'm unclean. So I can't touch him. Remember the, the parable of, the, of the, um, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, right? And so the, the priest and the Levite, they go around the guy because they're worried about becoming unclean. I don't have to worry about becoming unclean. I can come and I can minister him. I wasn't freed from the law in order for me to be able to party. I wasn't freed from the law so I could go build my own kingdom and my own glory. I was freed from the law so I can serve. So I can pour out my life as a drink offering. So I can redeem that which cannot be saved. To invest in the redemption of those or that which can be saved. In the end, what was their reward? What was their payment? Separation from God, eternal damnation. This goes all the way back to, again, Daniel chapter 12. We don't need to go there. You can go and check me out on it. But even back to Daniel chapter 12, it's talking about some to everlasting perdition. Listen, folks, heaven and hell is real. I want, this is not a, a downer message. I want to encourage you. As Jesus said overwhelmingly through this, through this, through this, be ready. 
on the previous slide. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be prepared. Do you really believe Jesus is coming back? Are you ready for the Messiah to return? Even now. Remember, no one knows the day or the hour. He could come back right now. Are you looking forward to moving on? Let's go have dinner. Or do you want to study more of his word? How fruitful is your life? What have you done with the gift that God has given you? Will you hear, well done? Man, I don't know about you, but that's a struggle for me. That's what I want. I want to hear the well done, my good and faithful servant. I can't tell you that I'm always faithful. I yearn for that. It's my prayer. How do you treat the least of these? How do you treat the least of these? Is there then a need to change the way you think? and therefore change the way you act. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the promise of your return. I thank you that you came to me, the least of these. And you loved me. Lord, help me to love as you love. Help us to love as you love. Help us to love one another, Lord, within this assembly, that the world may know that you have sent your Son Oh, God, I pray that you would help us to love our neighbors, to love those that we come in contact with, to love those that we see at Walmart, to love those we see on the streets. Lord, that we would not see people as inconveniences. Oh, I struggle with that. But rather that they are made in your image and your likeness, that you have breathed into them the breath of life, that you desire for them to be in your presence, and that you are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Lord, help me to have your, your character traits growing within me. Help us as an assembly to be that way as well. Help us to be a light in this neighborhood, Lord. Help us to desire to reach out to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.